In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. Guys, we are having a hard time coming up with what we wanted to call this episode. And so maybe you guys can weigh in. I wanted to talk about the three biggest problems facing our field. Nicole is very much into calling those the three biggest, what, opportunities for growth? <laughs> Jesse. What? Don't put me on the spot like that. You're such a millennial. And I am actually not. You actually, are. Shoot, I you are am. the You're oldest the millennial. millennial. I'm right in the middle of the millennial, but you are like the millennial queen. Okay. I, actually, no. I, no. Look at the definition. You are a millennial. I am, but I really am anti-millennial. Okay. So can we use the word problem or do we have to use opportunities for growth? So here's the deal, you guys. This is, so some of what is happening in our brains is like, what are still some of the biggest challenges? Uh, How about that? Challenges that our field faces as we're growing. You know, in the beginning of this, in the intro of the Pelo PT Rising podcast, we talk about how it's gone from basically an unknown specialty to kind of a household name. However, there are still a couple of different challenges that I feel like are different than some of our pioneers in the field. You know, we had a really cool episode, a couple episodes with Kathy Wallace. She talked about some of the challenges of her time in basically starting pelvic rehab as a physical therapist. And now that we're sort of in this next sort of era of pelvic PT, what are some of the challenges that our field is facing now? And we're going to talk a little bit more about what we feel like those are. We're going to have identified them, right? Because we can't have a solution to a problem that we have not identified. And like how we can all be a part of continuing to push the field in the direction that it needs to go. Yeah, we always talk about getting to better problems. We're not going to never have problems. We're just getting to better ones and getting to solve better ones. So here are three that Nicole and I have identified and have been working on ourselves and are ones that we think that everybody in the field should just be aware of and be able to be contributing to in some fashion. Because like Nicole said, if we can't identify what the underlying issue is, there's no way that it's ever going to be addressed. And so the first one is just generally awareness, making sure everybody who needs pelvic floor physical therapy, everybody who can benefit is hearing about it. And they're not right now. And it's not even close, which is really, really frustrating. Even with how far everything's come, we're not seeing even 5% probably of the people who could benefit from pelvic floor physical therapy. And this is actually as a little bit of a sidebar. I know Jesse doesn't like me going to sidebars, but this is a lot of the reason why it's frankly some bullshit if people are worried about another pelvic PT coming into your field or coming into your area. Because this abundance mindset situation 
is that there are not enough people that know about how pelvic floor physical therapy can help them. There is, we're nowhere close to the people that, to the number of people that have a pelvic floor dysfunction problem seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist. Right. So we need to be expanding the pie instead of feeling like, oh, we're competing for this limited number of people. But so this is the biggest problem of what we're seeing is that people just don't know about pelvic floor physical therapy. They're not being told about it by their physicians. They're not being referred properly, we would say. And they don't know enough to know that that's what they should be asking for. And so this is something that we really feel strongly about. We wrote the IC solution because of this, right? That patients who have been diagnosed with IC or with bladder pain weren't getting the appropriate care. The, their urologists weren't even doing what the American Urological Association recommends, which is sending people to pelvic floor physical therapy. And so it's the whole reason that we wrote that is, is basically to give those people the information that they needed to seek out help that can benefit them. That's the whole reason for the Cozine screening protocol, which is meant to help people to diagnose pelvic floor issues earlier and be able to refer out appropriately. And for those of you who don't know what that is, right, we developed a screening tool that we actually presented at the International Pelvic Pain Society meeting. I forget what year we did that, but it's basically a 10 question questionnaire that if you answer three, yes to three or more the questions, then your patient likely has pelvic floor dysfunction and, and this is the important part, a referral to a pelvic floor physical therapist is indicated. All right, so it makes it easier for an ortho PT, for a primary care physician, for basically anybody who is seeing patients to appropriately screen because somebody goes in for a knee issue after, you know, having a baby, we don't necessarily expect their ortho PT to be comfortable saying, oh yeah, how's uh, any pain with sex? But you can definitely hand somebody a screening questionnaire and be able to get some of those questions answered and make sure that they're being able to be referred appropriately. And this is also the reason that we have been so, I don't know, repetitive. We feel like we're being repetitive at least, but trying to create an online community of public floor physical therapists that don't criticize each other, that there's not evidence police because the more that we can be out there and educating on social media, the better for everybody in this field. Totally, because we have a lot of education to do, both on the practitioner side and on the patient side, because frankly, there's not enough people that understand the musculoskeletal and neuromuscular parts of what we do, that there are our expertise as physical therapists translates also to the functions of the pelvic floor. And that's another area where if you are like looking for content or looking for ways to educate people, like that's where we also need to be putting our efforts is, is talking to people, whoever will listen about how pelvic physical therapy is that we are the musculoskeletal and neuromuscular experts of the body and pelvic floor PTs are that of the pelvic girdle and pelvic floor and for issues of bowel bladder sexual functioning, right? That there are neuromuscular and musculoskeletal underpinnings for that. Like there's not understanding about that. Right. And that is incumbent upon all of us to be doing a better job and doing more as much as we can be to educate patients, to educate physicians, to go back to our the dean of our physical therapy schools and say, hey, why was this not taught to every person who's graduating? 
all of that, there's so many different avenues to be making sure that we're raising awareness of this stuff. So that's the first piece, first problem that we see in the field, first challenge, whatever we want to call it. (laughs) Next is that there is just such a wide baseline, we would say, of, and this is what's going to happen with any field that's really growing, that there's a wide range of what people can expect when they go to a pelvic floor physical therapist. I'm trying to say this nicely, but in some cases, there are pelvic floor physical therapists who just aren't doing a great job. And that is not an indictment necessarily of anybody. We had all had to start somewhere. There's places where it's it's just the, the facility isn't conducive to that. Oh, it's like an add-on to like an ortho facility. It's, oh, you've only had the ability to do Herman Wallace 1. There's not mentorship available. Like all of these things are real challenges of a growing field. And so we can't necessarily say, and this is one thing we realized after writing the IC Solution actually, is a lot of patients were reading the book, going to physical therapy and writing us and saying, hey, I went to PT, like you said, I didn't get any better, what's going on? And we found out that they were being just given Kegels. Like, no joke, you guys. Like, that that was like a big eye-opening experience for us because we thought, (laughs) naively, that our work was done with, I mean, we wrote the IC solution. It was pretty darn successful. I think now it's sold over 10,000 copies, which is like super successful for that type of book. But man, I literally, literally hundreds of messages coming back being like, you know, you've outlined in the, the book that Kegels aren't appropriate for someone in as much is in pelvic pain with IC like I am. And that's what I got. Or I got that, or I just got breathing, or I just got referred back to my urologist, or I was just given a handout on this non-essential IC diet. diet. So all of that stuff, we realized that, man, there is a just a real need for more education, more training. I loved how Kathy Wallace put this in our interview. Like, if you're not a lifelong learner, like, you should not be in pelvic health. Like there's always more to be learning and growing into. And so that's why we started the huddle where people we can learn and grow and collaborate in there. Nicole does a huddle up there once a week, all on clinical stuff, going through some of these things. The whole podcast is the reason behind this and wanting to help everybody in this field rise and be thinking about some of these issues and bringing up some of the questions that we have in the field. And then obviously all of our clinical stuff on on essentials, trying to teach people how to actually think and give people a framework, not just more tools, but actually a framework to be able to walk through the four phases of treatment, to be able to do an evaluation, to do all of that stuff that should be coming from, frankly, like a really good clinical mentor. Like basically that, that whole course came out of what Nicole teaches everybody at the clinic before they're allowed to see patients. And realizing that that just isn't possible for everybody. Not everybody has mentorship like that, either built in or or even has the person at all. That kind of thing, rectal and the IC courses, again, addressing issues in this that far too many of the people that Nicole sees for remote consultations or out of town program have never had a rectal evaluation. And that can be a huge component. And IC, it's a complex diagnosis and we do need to understand all of the different pieces going on. So There's a lot there to just raise that fundamental baseline of what people can expect from a pelvic floor physical therapist. And frankly, we're so grateful for those of you who are active in the huddle and those of you who are listening right now for caring, for investing time and effort and energy into becoming a better pelvic floor physical therapist. Like not everybody is listening to 
this podcast right now. And, and try not to be everybody is willing to change too. I mean, I think that one of the, the biggest things that I want you guys to do from this podcast and from any course that you take from me and anything is, is be willing to change some of your ways. Like in essentials, I talk about treating bimanually, meaning internal with one hand and external with the other. And at the same time, at the same time, I mean, it's hard to change if you are somebody who's even something as simple as the a barrier to change, like your table is stuck to one side of the wall, because your room's small, then how can you still implement that change of way that you're doing something and sticking with it long enough to get good at it and see, is this something that you want to implement into your everyday treatment? But the willingness to change, to take what you're listening to and applying it kind of immediately is also like a really big, it's a challenge to do, but it's it's a way that you can be a part of raising that that bar. When we talk about making sure that you're assessing your patient in multiple positions. If you have never done a standing assessment on a person's pelvic floor, like that's something that you might need to actually be like, okay, I'm going to pick like three people that might be appropriate for a standing pelvic floor evaluation next week and try it and do it. And then reach out if you have a problem with it or you don't know what you're feeling and stuff like that. I mean, at some point, it's what I love Kathy was talking about in her interview about just like trying stuff, right? Being different and thinking about the pelvis, pelvic floor and its function, just like we would another part of the body. So I, you know, there's a lot of things that we get taught in some of the baseline pelvic floor rehab courses that I just aren't as functional. And, and it's such a, a beginning course that if you can't do some of those more advanced things, but we've got to have somebody that is mentoring you, that's pushing you to like try other things so that we can help our patients better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a a huge point there in raising that just baseline level of what it means. So we have nobody should be going to pelvic PT and coming out of it and say, oh, pelvic PT didn't work for me. Like that should be something that just hits everybody like a gut punch. Yeah, a gut punch too. If somebody comes in and is like, and I hear this all the time from the people in my remote consultations with like, well, I went to pelvic PT for eight visits and nobody looked at my insert something super important like SI joint or tailbone or hip or foot, right? And it's like, God, we need to be looking at things as how the pelvic floor and pelvis function in in the entire body. And that's how we can't, it no longer is it lay on the table with a biofeedback machine and do some elevator freaking pelvic floor contractions. It's like, come on, we have got to get past that amount of basic, basic stuff if we want to push this field forward. Cool. So as we've been talking, it is the lack of awareness about pelvic PT and what pelvic PT does and can do. It's a raising the baseline level of what it means to be a pelvic floor physical therapist. And the third thing that we've really identified is just a lack of competition in the field. And Nicole was getting to this a little bit earlier when talking about an abundance mindset and reaching out to more people. But patients deserve 
options. And not it doesn't always have to be the same big box hospital program or a PT tacked on to an ortho clinic or any of the, like we need to be able to have competition and have options and physical therapists benefit from this too. I mean, this is like, you should be able to have as a physical therapist, a place to work that fits your ethos, that fits what you believe about how pelvic PT should be practiced. That actually, again, prevents you from feeling burnout and that lets you feel like you're growing as a pelvic floor physical therapist. Like there should be those options for people. And I think that's one of the things that we get so excited about, about coaching on the business side of these things, because that does raise the overall level of the field when we introduce competition. Totally. And like, how cool is it going to be in five years, 10 years? This is what kind of stuff that I think about when you can be a physical therapist specialize in pelvic floor, have a personal passion for yoga and be able to find a clinic that specializes in yoga-based physical therapy for pelvic health conditions. Or if you're super into bar classes and like how cool would it be if you could find a pelvic floor physical therapy place to work at that incorporates bar classes into there. I mean, there are so many different ways that we can incorporate our love of movement, our passion for exercise, like all kinds of stuff into pelvic health care that's so different from how it was when I first started where everybody was in this like hospital system where we had to get the lube packets because out of the the thing because there was like a compliance issue to use slippery stuff out of a pump handle. And like, we can't do, you know, we have to do biofeedback because that was what it was budgeted for because we got to buy the $5,000 biofeedback machine on the computer screen. And so that's why we had to do it that way. And like the field has evolved so much now and we still have a, a long way to go into making sure that we have options not only for patients and to match their goals, but also for options for us as PTs to work in settings that also serve our personal interests. Wouldn't that be, I mean, that is the future of where this field can go is that every single pelvic floor physical therapist should be able to work at a place that aligns with their personal ethos and lights them up. And we talk about that being something that's going to have an impact on patient care if you are feeling like you are practicing in the way that is aligned with your beliefs. And I think people always look at us like we're a little bit crazy when we talk about like, oh, competition is important in this field. But have you guys ever been to a town that had like one restaurant? If you have, I will bet that that restaurant probably has the same menu they printed back in the 1980s that hasn't changed. They have a mediocre pad thai, and they have a mediocre burger, and they have a mediocre salad, Salad, right, that's sitting there. And then all of a sudden, you have another restaurant come into town, and people have options. And it forces everybody to raise the level of what they're doing. And we've even been seeing this, I mean, in the last 15 years since Nicole's been in the field, when everybody was at a big hospital program, right? Well, those facilities can get away with having really poor customer care. Like you call, you know, our local hospital right now, you're not going to talk to a human being. You're going to be put in a switchboard. You're going to have to leave a message and you're going to have to cross your fingers that they call you back within three days. Well, guess what? We can't do that <laughs> pelvic sanity. 
You can't get away with that anymore when there's competition around. You can't get away with having a huge wait and thinking that, oh, people are going to sit around for four months in order to see you. Um, you can't have a front desk staff who can't answer basic questions about what you do and what your treatment philosophy is. You can't have burned out PTs who just don't care anymore. I mean, that's when we have competition, it elevates the level of everybody in that area and it gives patients the choice to be able to go where they need to go and to find a place that works for them. Yeah, and there's a healthy amount too. There is a healthy amount of seeing what other people in the field are doing and being like, whoa, that's cool. Should I do that? Can I do that? Do I want to do that, right? There's all kinds of subspecialty niches within our pelvic health field that are emerging, fertility and all kinds of cool things that, you know, frankly, weren't, didn't exist back in the day when I first started. And, and that is exciting, but that's an area that we need to foster and still cultivate, I think would be a good word, Jesse. That's a good word. A good word. And that's, (laughs) that is why, I mean, that's why we've been so passionate recently over the last several years about doing our business mentorship this new foundations course that you guys might have heard us talking about that's designed to help people get to those first 10 patients a week, which is a huge threshold for a lot of people in who are starting their own businesses. A lot of people struggle for years before they can actually consistently be getting those 10 people in the door, and they really do need that little push to get there so much faster. It can make such a big difference. But the reason that we do that is because ultimately, that's something that is growing this entire field. And in our mentorship program, we probably have 25 different cash-based pelvic floor physical therapy clinics that are hiring now. And that used to be something that was just didn't exist. Like you couldn't find a position like that. And now you can find a position like that all across the country. You don't have to necessarily start your own business in order to be able to see people for an hour and be able to not have to spend a whole bunch of time in documentation. And It's not the right choice for everybody. There's pros and cons of working anywhere, but the more options that we have as a field, the better things are for patients and the better things are for the people in the field, the pelvic floor physical therapist. The cool thing too about seeing like the people in our business mentorship, like there are some people that are doing some really cool stuff. We've got some OTs in there. We have got people that are incorporating mental health into their pelvic PT practice. We've got people people that are specializing in transgender. We've got people that have bar certifications. We've got people that are catering to runners only. Like there are so yoga many based, yoga based. People who specialize in chronic pelvic pain. Like our, it's a little microcosm of what this can look like. Energy work, stuff like yeah. that's like adjunct to pelvic PT, but still incorporated into their practice. Yoga. Like honestly, you guys, the sky is the limit with where you can niche down. And I just feel like the more people that are assessing themselves and the place that they're working and does that fit their personality? Does that fit their pelvic PT ethos? Are you able to practice the way that you want to and emphasize the things that you think are important in pelvic health care? And if that is the answer is yes, then great, then continue on. And then if the answer is no, then there are other ways now, there are pathways for you to be able to do that so you can be more personally fulfilled at at the same time that we're elevating the pelvic PT field. 
Yes. So I think that's going to bring this podcast to a conclusion. I hope that you guys have, it's given you a little bit of kind of seen a little bit of our perspective, at least on some of the challenges that are going on in the field. And I hope that this is a little bit of a call to action for you guys to be able to make some changes, even if they're small, even if there's small steps in the right direction, they can be huge when they're multiplied by everybody who's listening to this podcast or multiplied by our entire field. So for the three different problems of, of awareness, is there something that you can be doing to raise awareness of this, of pelvic floor physical therapy and how it can help? That can be on social media, that can be speaking with local physicians, that can be teaching at your local schools. Whatever that is, find a way, even if it's a small thing, to be able to push awareness of what we have and what we can do and what we can help with, uh, push that forward. Is there a, a baseline level of physical therapy? Can we be doing something to learn to be a lifelong learner that Kathy talked about, to open your mind to a different technique, to a different treatment methodology. Even if it's a, you take a course that you disagree with a lot of the stuff on, at least it forces you to think critically about what you're doing and how you're working with patients. And finally, evaluate the place that you're working. Evaluate your situation. Is that working for you personally? Is that working for you professionally? Are you in a place where you feel like you're able to grow and learn and Practice in a place that is aligned with what you believe about the field. And as everybody gets more options out there, as we're able to do that, that the better the things are going to be for patients. That's really the underlying thing for all of these. Like All of these changes are going to continue to help patients. And it's been fun, I know for you, Nicole, even for me in the last five years, to see how much things have changed in this field. And the rate of change is only increasing. Yeah, it's been really cool to see. And yeah, we're just here, you guys, to keep that rate of change going and so that we can also meet the demand that we're creating, right? So there are, yeah, so that we're just here to both support that, but then also challenge us all to think a little bit differently about our field so that we don't get stuck, so that the field doesn't push forward and we're left behind <laughs> of our own in our own specialty. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys have any questions about any of this stuff, reach out, let us know. Nicole at PelvicSanity.com. Shoot her a DM. But as always, we want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise.